volume and unity. Divine light shining individually, collectively transforming community. Peace in our human family. As above, so below. Feel the pain in my soul. The red pill dissolved. Organized, no matter the cost. Politicians start wars, they don't fight. They sit the poor. And nothing lasts forever as long as we stay together. Give hell to the masses. Watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture. It's one love, one growth, one light. Light warriors. Hello, everybody out there in the podcast realm and everybody out there in the YouTube, Facebook, um, all platforms realm. Let's just say all the platforms I could reach. Um, <laughs> Shout out to everybody out there. Uh, we have another special guest. Um, his name is Juan Ayala, and I actually went to college with him. This dude is a dope guy, does a lot, great directing. Acting, you probably saw him on Blind Spot a few times. And where, where else have you been, Juan? Oh gosh, recently, um, earlier this year, I booked my only—it was my only booking for the whole COVID era. Um, but I worked on the show on ABC called For Life. It was oh, a nice. quick role, but yeah, that was a really cool experience, really interesting experience. <clears throat> uh, getting to be back on set during the pandemic, so you know. Yeah, you're also a podcaster as well, too. I am um, indeed. What's your podcast about? I saw a few of your episodes. I have several podcasts. <clears throat> right. <laughs> uh, so the first one I started is called Actors with Issues. Um, and I started that sort of at the height of the pandemic. Our first episode went up last May. So just a couple months into the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I had wanted to start the podcast for a while. Um, I remember making up some like promo art like you know launching november 2019 but it like never happened it literally took six months after that to launch it but it's basically just open and honest conversations with actors um who are currently working on in tv and film and broadway and just sort of uh talking about their experiences you know their careers but also shedding light on issues that actors commonly face Mm. um as i'm sure you remember sometimes being an actor is can feel very lonely because it's so competitive. You kind of feel like everyone's your competition. And uh, that's been one of the biggest takeaways with that show is that, you know, there's a community and you have to really look out for each other and network and, and, and collaborate and just sort of build your little, little tribe of support uh, with your fellow actors. Um, Yeah. And then from that, this uh, digital outlet that I've been writing for, for a few years, they really liked actors with issues so they asked me to do a similar show for them uh called multicultural tv talk um that's with mediavillage.com and that's interviews with um some slightly higher profile actors so they're currently on like different tv shows on the cw or hulu or wherever um and they're like the series regulars so they're like the leads and it's talking about diversity and inclusion and um the things that they hope to see change in the industry and uh, Latin Arte, which is my third and final show. So I'll <laughs> shut up about my shows. Uh, <laughs> that show is new. It's uh, we just hit our third episode. It's monthly and it's for another, another digital outlet that I work with um, called Latin Babbler show. It, that's an, an existing podcast. 
and Latin Arte is basically showcasing Latin actors um, mm. who are working in the industry at the moment and just sort of giving my people a voice and giving them a platform to talk about their careers, their struggles, and their aspirations. So, yeah. That, that is awesome. Um, you are a hard worker. I've always <laughs> known you. I'm so tired hard all the time. Worker. <laughs> Like there's been, I remember going to school with you. I'm just like, how does this guy have time to like, <laughs> to, like just digress and <laughs> always good. <laughs> um, are you doing any directing still, or um, you, you you're not directing right now? You just uh, uh, I wish, man. Like- um, I'm I'm more into writing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, before the pandemic, I started writing a web series. Um, that I uh to take place at an entertainment outlet. It's kind mm-hmm. of like. I sort of describe it as like the office meets 30 rock. Like it's a workplace comedy, but it's mm. about the entertainment journalism side of things. Mm. Um, and I wanted the cast of that to reflect the diversity that actually exists in New York City because I can't stand shows. You know, you look at the show Friends. It's about six white people in New York. I'm like, right. white. Okay, we don't need another show like that. So <laughs> I wanted to to re- definitely reflect the diversity of of New York and, and what it's like, and also just the younger generations. I'm kind of tired of watching shows about older people. That's you know? awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. And I love how you mentioned how um, you like to, you have like a, a, a group of, a group of actor friends that you stay with. Um, mm-hmm. I spoke to uh, um, Katie Karnakis, who uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Um, she used mm-hmm. to be on um, always, Sunny in Philadelphia with a small role, and she was also in Righteous Kill mm-hmm. um, with uh, uh, Robert De Niro. Um, she talks about how it's so good to keep like uh, a small circle within because, sure. like you said, um, it's it's a cutthroat business, and everyone is always um, feeling like they have to be competitive twenty four seven. I know that that was a feeling that I had when I was enacting enacting uh, courses and enacting schools and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, just always constantly selling yourself and you're always getting told no more most of the time compared to the yeses. Um, it could be a very lonely world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I love, I love hearing about how you uh, just have friends, like you have friends around that stay around and stuff and, um, and they understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. How important, um, you want to keep people of color and especially uh, keep a voice out for the Latino community, um, mm-hmm. which is such a big deal. Um, well, speak, speak on that. Um, what, what is uh, for someone? Cause you know, I'm pretty sure I have an idea, but for someone that don't fully understand um, the, the theater business and the acting business of how um, the, like the racism behind it or anything like what, what is, what is so much of importance to, to mirror it, not mirror, but center uh, Latino voices within the acting business. So I think that mainly it's uh, it's most apparent in theater, because for a lot of Hispanic and Latinx actors and dancers and singers, especially if you want to, if you're someone that like I want to work on Broadway, your options unfortunately are very limited to the shows that like off the top of your head, you're like, oh, I could easily do, you know, if you're white, you can name every like 90% of the musicals that have been written since the 1950s. You know, you could be like, oh, I could do anything goes or hairspray or um, uh, guys and dolls, the King and I, um, you know, just like any show that has existed in the last 75 years. Um, And 
as a Latino and also as a black actor, as an Asian actor, as any any really minority group, your options are so limited. Like for Latinos and for Hispanics, you think West Side Story, yeah. um, In the Heights, yep, Hamilton, because it's a very diverse show and you could literally play any role in that show. Right. Um, that's kind of it. <laughs> I'm sure there are others. But the the ones that stand out and that get revivals that they do like a new production, you know, or that do like national tours, regional productions, all of that stuff, like there's just a very limited number of roles that you can play. And because the industry in general, in terms of casting, they sort of pigeonhole you even more. It's like, for whatever reason, casting directors who are not Hispanic or Latinx, they feel that they have the right to say like oh well, you don't quite look hispanic enough or you look too wow. hispanic or whatever so if you're like you know quote unquote white passing or yeah. whatever or if you're an afro latino if you're like dominican and you're very dark skinned the average image in a person's head of what a hispanic person looks like is not light skinned or very dark skinned mm-hmm. you know it's like sort of like olive complexion they just sort of have like this stereotypical image in their mind that right, it's right. just very narrow minded when it comes to casting. Um, mm. But also it, it also has to start at the very top, like the producers who are in charge, the producers that will give millions of dollars to finance the musical or the TV show or the movie. If they are not part of the community, they're not going to get it. You know, they won't get the inside jokes and the specific like intricacies that have to do with each ethnic community. So those projects won't get funding and then they will never get made. Or if they are made, they'll never get picked up by like a distributor. So they'll never be released Mm. in theaters or it'll go straight to like rent on demand and no one will see it, you know? Mm. So I think Um, it definitely starts at the top, like producers, the network uh, executives, the heads of the studios, they have to definitely diversify their who's in charge because you have to start at the top for it to trickle down to everybody else. Right. And why why is that? Do you think it's because they look at the demographics since we are all still minority or and they're like, well, majority of the country is white. Um, I feel like just- I feel like there's just been so much proof that everyone wants these diverse stories. Crazy Rich Asians made like yeah. what, over two hundred million dollars. Yeah, they Black blew Panther up. Panther yeah. broke a billion. Like yeah. there's a space for the the fully asian cast rom-com there's a space for the black superhero there's a space for coco won oscars multiple that movie made me cry every time dude every time (laughs) i watch that movie i'm like just in tears by the end (laughs) especially now after covid like i lost two of my grandparents during covid so like god rest them and that movie just hits even more i'm like my familia Mm. you know like (laughs) Mm. Mm. Um, but you know like everyone relates to the movie everyone to all of these movies, and mind you, my mind goes back even further to one of my favorite like rom coms, chick flicks, as we call them growing up. Jesus, <laughs> so narrow minded in the 90s, you know. Yeah. Um, but my big fat Greek wedding, right? That oh, movie that. does not only apply to Greeks, everyone right. has no matter what ethnic community you're from, whether you're Jewish, Puerto Rican, black, wherever, everyone yeah. has like the crazy aunt who's constantly trying to feed you, everyone has the overbearing, yep. the, the nosy cousin. The drama, you know, everyone can relate to that. That's why that was for the for the longest time, like the highest grossing rom-com of all time. Right. You know, so like 
those stories, even though it is specifically uh, the Greek population, which in comparison to the rest of the world is tiny, mm-hmm. but still this massively well-received and beloved movie because you just have to put the right people in charge. The, the, the actress who played the lead role in that movie also wrote the script, mm-hmm. you know, like she, that's her story. It's her voice. The authenticity is there. And that's what we're craving is like that authentic mm-hmm. storytelling. Like don't, don't try and pander to audiences because right. it's not, it's not going to work. We can no smoke BS a mile away. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I agree with that. That's so beautiful. Like I, I'm starting to think about who else did that. Uh, Cause I didn't know that was that the director that was also the actor, the writer in all of the uh, whole fat Greek wedding. That makes it so yeah. much more authentic. And I'm thinking about like, how um chaz wrote that and he was doing yes. one man shows the whole time before that even became a movie and um mm-hmm. so and the reason why it's so like it's so real and so praised to this day is because yeah. of what you said like people can, can relate to those things and and every everybody from the bronx they could definitely that lived in that town um at that time they definitely can relate to it and why 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 isn't this type of vibe channeling with most directors you know we still have movies like gods of egypt where it's all european people oh, God. <laughs> like why is it not translating i mean it's translating now but i feel like it's right. still slowly like you know yeah. coming across but like less like, than 10 years ago <laughs> like that movie came out what 2014 maybe yeah. like yeah less than 10 years ago this nonsense was still happening and it's just with all of these different social movements with Black Lives Matters, with Stop Asian Hate, with Oscars So yeah. White, and with now all of these diversity reports that are coming out. Um, the Hollywood diversity report was just released uh, like a week and a half ago. And I'm very on top of that because whenever I do podcast interviews with people, I want to have like all these numbers and whatnot. And right. it was something like, so what they do basically is that they look at the top um, 100 films of the previous calendar year and look at the ethnic backgrounds of the lead and co-lead actors. And then for television, they'll look at all the TV shows that are on broadcast, digital, and cable. Um, Broadcast meaning like, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, like those big networks, cables like FX, USA, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and then digital streaming. And they'll break down all of these things by race and ethnicity. So you'll have the percentages of the white actors, of black, of uh, Hispanic and Latinas, of Asian American, Pacific Islander, of Native American. And like, you know, the Native American population in the country makes up like 4%, I think. And they're less than 1% of speaking roles in television. Um, For Hispanics, it's like we make up almost 20% of the population and we have about 5% representation on TV. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you really think about it, like, you know, the Hispanic shows, they get canceled after a year, after one season. And not, and then there's all these other shows that like has like one big actor and the show like barely mediocre and it gets like seasons and seasons. There's like so many shows out there that I'm like, why is this show still on? Like <laughs> th- it hasn't improved in quality. It, you know, like it's just right. it gets really frustrating because like before the Netflix show One Day at a Time, which every year was in danger of being canceled despite having like you know rave reviews and like on rotten tomatoes is like 100 percent. you know um every every season it was in danger of being canceled because like the viewership numbers were not to what netflix wanted um and that was like the only sitcom with like an all hispanic cast 
And before that, I couldn't think of one before George Lopez. Like, and that was in the early 2000s. I'm like, it's really been like over 15 years since we've had a show with about a Hispanic family. And there was one that came out called Grand Hotel that only lasted one season. Another one called Bacon and Beauty canceled after one season. And they filmed in the middle of the pandemic. Like, you know, they were, it's just the expectations are set so high for, um, for all of these ethnic centered shows um, that really needs to change too, because it, it gets really frustrating that they're expecting like a show, like one day at a time to hit stranger things numbers. It's like, it's not going to like it. Yeah. Stranger things didn't really blow up initially either. It's yeah. only in later seasons that all the hype and word of mouth that sort of um, is what led to their success in year after year. But like who'd have thought that a show like squid games, a show that's not even in English yeah. With an all Korean cast filmed, written, and shot in Korea would be the number one show in the world. Right. Again, that's just right. further proof. Like there's a space for these stories. You just have to be good exactly. and you have to give them a chance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Squid Game is definitely like, I mean, I didn't even know what it was until I started saw me- seeing memes and, right. <laughs> and stuff like that. And then like I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast and he he's even talking about it. I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> am i missing something here so yeah i just saw the first episode i was like wow this is this is a this is a thing right now and but i've always like felt i've always had like a a strong connection with um asian um media asian Mm -hmm. uh anime asian um sitcoms and stuff like that that's my little side thing you know and it's it's awesome to see that it finally is uh coming over here as well too um and you, you're even seeing that type of diversity finally getting strong in the music world as well, too. Yeah. You know, they have Afro beats coming here. Um, Bad Bunny is is getting putting reggaeton on a whole new level yeah. that just never reggaeton has never even been at yet. And it's just showing that the like Americans are they want they want more. They want yeah. more than just the white status quo, uh, quo the white status quo of me of uh, entertainment and stuff like that. And that's that's good. That's good because then we'll start seeing more people that look like us right. that are doing so much great stuff and they're be, they're going to become childhood stars and people are going to grow up and be like, wow, I remember y'all and all that stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's so important. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, um, just touching on music, like who'd have thought that that K-pop groups would be on like the Tonight Show? And, yeah. You know, like you said, like Bad Bunny is creating a whole like the Latin music genre itself is like exploding like yeah the the first song that comes to mind that really put like latin music of the mainstream was gasolina mm-hmm. by daddy yankee and like you know, i was mm-hmm. like we're all in middle school and all the kids have no idea what the hell they're singing but they're like gasolina <laughs> you know like, they didn't care they're like this is catchy i like the song right um and it's just blown up since then so like and and even the music was such a male-dominated space for so long that um it's now becoming more inclusive of women it's not you know you have people like um camilla cabello becky g and all the other artists who are like blowing up it's back then it was just j-lo shakira evie queen that was kind of it now you have all these young you know these young uh female artists as well sort of blowing up and, and paving the way for for more people to come in behind them you know yeah yeah i've never seen so many female rappers right now like yeah, so great. 
it's like, whoa, like it's not even just Nicki Minaj anymore. And she was literally like the biggest in the rap game for like women for a, almost a decade now. Yeah. And now you just see the branches just grow and stuff. And, mm-hmm. But with all this success, there's misogyny. <laughs> right. There's, yeah, there's still too many men in charge of these women's careers, shaping yeah. their image and all that stuff. Yeah. They're just like, oh, 24 7, every time Cardi B do something. And it's like, oh, I don't want my daughter seeing this. Like, like, why is your daughter watching this award show to begin with? <laughs> right. That bother, that really blows my mind. And then they'll be like, look how disturbing this is. Roll a clip. I'm like, why are you broadcasting <laughs> it? It's bothering you so much. Come on, right. Carlson Tucker. Tucker Carlson. What the hell's his name? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that guy. Another <laughs> grumpy Carlson. white guy on television is what we need. <laughs> and um, also... um. The little Nas X, the shit that little Nas X goes through, like it's just, oh my god! And like, like what really is. bugs me about all of that is just the clear. They can say like, nah, I don't, I don't, you know, gay people don't bother me, like nonsense. Because if if it's a woman who's like, if her image is her parading herself out that sexually, right. you guys are all over it. But because it's a guy, and because you don't whatever quote unquote agree with, you know, with the LGBTQ plus community now it bothers you and you feel that you can just be hateful because of it. But if the tables were turned and a white person said something like that about a black artist, you'd be up in arms. Like there's no room for hate. Like that really just bought it. I can't really stand the people who nitpick Mm -hmm. um, who they're okay with and who they're not okay with. Yeah, I agree. It's like, they have just a criteria what the culture is and they, um, don't like nuance they don't want to accept nuance at all yeah. when you know when you look back um honestly like queer entertainment has led a lot of great music um even um little richard you know the king yeah. of rock and roll like that was a gay man and he gave you rock and roll that we have today right um it, and so just... many of these artists wouldn't have the careers they have without the lgbtq plus community right right Do you really think ariana madonna um mariah carey you think all these people's careers wouldn't be like without the gay community they would their careers would be down 20 percent, like literally because oh, who's in those concerts who's buying their cds who's buying their merch who has who's running these fan accounts on instagram right. they're all gay people <laughs> a gay man taught madonna how to vogue she didn't even she didn't learn that from white people she learned that from right. a, gay, a gay black man <laughs> and, <laughs> It's so beautiful, you know. There's just it's just a it's literally like where is the acknowledgement? Can, right. can we get some acknowledgement out here, please? Let's get some goddamn acknowledgement. <laughs> you know what? We gave you this damn shit. <laughs> Y'all, um, I was reading this article from uh, the son of Baldwin, and he was talking about the ghosts of uh the, the, the queen of bounce music. Um mm. I can't think of her name right now. I'm so I feel so bad. But for all my listeners, you know who the queen of bounce music is. She's from New Orleans. And they basically uh, were showing how they used her voice um, to, like, like they did use sample her voice, Drake and Beyonce, use samples of her voice uh-huh. on one of their biggest songs and stuff. Um, for, like, and Beyonce had uh, Serena Williams come out and everything. and But they never actually bring out these lbgtq artists that are mm. um so big um within their own standing um just because they don't want viewers to be like oh we don't have an agenda it's a beautiful article that just explained it like oh yeah. but they'll utilize their talent but 
exploit it in a way that it can still be uh, yeah. acceptable to the straights. Right. <laughs> I always call it the straights. The straight. I mean, we say the gays, so. Right. For anyone listening, I'm bi. I'm part of the LGBTQ community. So. <laughs> yep, right. Full disclosure. <laughs> Full disclosure. I'm, and and um, I'm, I'm so happy. I didn't know that you were also queer. I didn't know. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. I mean, all throughout college, young adult, I was closeted for the longest. You know, I just was trying Me to figure too. out where I landed <laughs> on the spectrum and um yeah and also just you know growing up in a religious family and having these identity crises just knowing when is the right time because it's also personal you know right. and right. it didn't happen for me until I moved out of the house and moved to New York right. and was finally on my own I'm like I can be myself here there's I don't have to like tiptoe or watch what I say or watch who I hang out with right. um yeah, and that's a huge part of my life now. I've been with my partner for we just celebrated three years. Wow! Uh, together, Congratulations. yeah. Thank you. And and yeah, it's he's been a wonderful support this whole time, and an eye to him. And yeah, he's just been. Is he a model? Is he like? No, he's not. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Everybody's just so good on Instagram, and, and I suck. <laughs> like, like I thought he was like a model for a minute. I was like, oh, look at him slay <laughs> i'm flattered you think i could land a model <laughs> um so also um i went i went to i had a question about okay so hmm? so you so you basically work for like podcast channels that, that that give you these two other podcasts that let you do free reign whatever uh guests you want to have or is it like a criteria that they give you like what is that like I'm an independent podcaster, so mm -hmm. I don't know what that's like. Um, how how is that? What is it like being able to like get involved with higher level Latino um, actors and stuff? And what will like what is what is the, the perks? What's the beauty of being involved like that? I mean, I'm very fortunate that I very much do have free reign because um, mm -hmm. I'm not like a salaried employee at any of these places that you have to like follow the rules and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it's like you know. Media Village brought me on as a podcaster because they appreciate my voice and what I have to say. And I edit everything myself and just send them a completed podcast and don't have to worry about like, oh, they took out the part where I said that. That was a really interesting quote. Right. I wish that we left that in. Right. Um, the only criteria, I mean, because multicultural TV talk is about television, is in actors in general, it's just uh, making sure that these are sort of actors like earlier in their careers, like this is the first time they're a series lead or or they're a heavy recurring character for the first time in their career. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so um, the the in the it's similar with with the other one with Latin Arte. That one I sort of pitched to them. I said like, um, hey, I would love to do a show for you guys. It's very similar to my other shows, interviewing actors, but just focusing on the Latinx community. And uh, again, I get free reign. I just send them the show when it's ready. And, and that's sort of it. Um, but the key to getting involved with these actors uh, of that level, at least, that are like series leads and whatnot, is um, their publicists, because they're the mm -hmm. ones that schedule all these interviews for them and sort of maintain because they get paid to do that. They get paid to to get them appearances and whatnot. So once you have like an interview that goes really well and they liked how it went, then it's like, oh, well, my last client had fun uh, and the interview was great. So let's send them another one. So that's basically what it's been. And now that I'm sort of 
establishing these relationships with these publicists and 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 talent managers as well if the actors and have a publicist i'm talking to their manager or their agent um it's just sort of um keeping everything consistent making sure that you're putting out like quality content for them to be like oh they were great and this other client of mine has a new show coming out let me email them and see if they're interested in setting something up uh that's how the last handful of episodes have, have come up since i'm sort of have those relationships um already and it's been fun i love i love talking shop <laughs> especially about mm-hmm. acting in the industry and all that it's always very um you always learn something new because no two actors no two people in the world have had the same exact journey or right. path to their career where they are now um right and it's always fascinating to learn like the last the my latest episode of Latinarte was with the actor manuel urisa He's the new villain in season three of Narcos Mexico on Netflix. Mm. And uh, later this week, he's also going to be on the new season of Hentified on Netflix. Mm. So he's got like two big shows coming out like back to back. And um, he was telling me that his first speaking role came out when he went to an, uh, an open call to be a background actor on the show Burn Notice. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he went to like an open call because a friend of his was like, "Hey, they're filming this TV show in Miami," and uh, he lived in Miami at the time and was saying like, um, "They're looking for extras to like you just be on the beach, so they'll pay you to literally just like be on the beach or whatever, be in the background of the scenes." So he went, and then um, they'd asked him a couple questions to get to know his like personality, or whatever, and he didn't know the person talking to him was like the executive producer of the show, who's also a writer. So he just saw something in him like, oh, he's like an interesting guy. He's a good, you know, he's very well spoken, all of that. And then he basically like they couldn't find an actor for a character for a few episodes and in in, in later in the season. So they called him up and had asked him like, hey, like, uh, would you mind auditioning? And they sent him like nine pages of dialogue because it was a guest star role. So it was like a pretty big character in that episode. And mm. he's just like. His his advice to actors in that episode was like, you never know who you're, who you're, who's who's watching you. You never know who's who's looking at your work, who you're speaking to. You might think this is just like a production assistant or whoever, but it's the showrunner of of the right. series. And just sort of always be prepared, um, and be yourself because that's how he got the role. Is because they're like, oh, this guy seems pretty chill and he's you know well spoken, blah blah blah. So, um that's that's super important too. just bringing your own authentic self because again we can smell bs a mile away so you got to be your authentic <laughs> self you might think you're a phenomenal actor but if you can't if your like bs face isn't good then they're gonna they're gonna smell it a mile away so you really have to like just remain authentic to who you are and and bring that that's how i bring myself to all my roles right. to all my auditions i'm like i'm gonna bring as much of myself to this as i can this is how I talk. I'm not going to be like talking down here all of a sudden, even though I love doing voiceover <laughs> stuff, but that's not who I am. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And people can see it in my face when I'm like doing that, you know, right. Right. But it's right. not authentic. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. been a huge takeaway from all my shows is just people being themselves and being authentic. Wow. Yeah. That's dope. Do you, do you consider yourself mentoring someone in the future? Um, I mean, yeah, I feel like I, low key i mean i feel like i'm just part of this little mentoring community where we all sort of mentor each other because mm. you know i'll hit up my friends i have a friend Anna. i have a friend that's in la right now i'm both actors and 
if any of us needs help with like a self tape and we don't have a reader, we'll just like hop on zoom and they'll be my reader and always like giving each other notes. Like, Hey, just try it this way. Um, or, you know, try this for this particular line to land the joke better or whatever. And, um, that's sort of what I want to do with, with, um, with my podcast actors with dishes, especially because it's such long form and candid, uh, conversations, um, with multicultural TV talk, those episodes are like 20 minutes max because mm-hmm. these actors are busy. They've got, they're like yeah. filming stuff or they've got another interview right after. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I've always, I mean, I've gotten to where I am because of the kindness of other people. Um, other people giving me resources saying like, Hey, go sign up on this website to look for auditions. Hey, go do this, go do that. So I'm always trying to pay it forward. Um, mm. and trying to do that as best as I can. So yeah, I feel like, I feel like mentoring is such a serious thing. Like, Oh, my mentor, <laughs> you know, it's such a serious, like, you know, like your guru, your life guru, your coach or whatever. Um, but you know, just basically in terms of like, just helping people out and looking out for others and, and helping them out when they need it. Cause when you need help one day, you're going to want someone to be there for you. So you have to right. get it for other people, you know? Yeah. I could, I, I asked that cause I could like sense a kind of like a mentorship in <laughs> like a little bit. Like it's my inner director know, coming out, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, your shit, you know what I mean? You, you know, your shit. And, um, what, what are you with the SAG union? Are you, are you a SAG actor? I am. Yeah. I joined finally. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, just at the end of 2019 nice um i had done like three episodes of blind spot and by the fourth one they were like you can do up to three contracts uh before you have to join right um so i had done like my third episode and that third episode sort of snuck up i was supposed to only do three by the end of the series but then they're like hey they actually wrote you into like an episode earlier um and I was like, oh, crap. And I got to join the union. Like, shit. Like, my fourth, <laughs> my fourth one. Like, that's it. I have to do it bef- to even work. So, like, if I didn't join by then, they would have said, okay, sorry, we can't have a, you on the show. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to be in the series finale. So, I was like, I'm going to join. I got it. Don't worry. Um, mm-hmm. Swipe here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was actually a, a darling friend of mine who actually gave me a loan. And as soon as I got my check, I paid it right back. I was like, you're getting it as soon as that check clears, honey. <laughs> Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. Again, you just, you know, have your village of support because right. not everyone has that. Um, but yeah, um, I do you like tag. it. I mean, it's not it's not all it's hopped up to be. I learned that very mm. quickly. Um, all it is, is that you get guaranteed protections because you're in a union. So you get pay bumps when you go past a certain time. You're guaranteed overtime pay. Um, they can't like abuse your time. Like if you're going to be there for 16 hours on set for the day, you're going to get paid for it. Um, mm. Being in the union, you're also going to get residuals, which means if they re-air your episode, you'll get a portion of your pay again. Um, if it goes to streaming or if a, a foreign network decides to buy that season of the show to air on their channel, then you'll get residuals for that. Um, so just making sure that everybody is compensated fairly Um Again, you can do up to three contracts on a SAG show before you have to join. So you still get all of that before you even join because you're still it's still a SAG contract. Mm. Um, but, you know, if someone wants to do like a web series and they say they're going to pay you $125 for the day, which is what a lot of small budget projects do, understandably, they don't have millions of dollars to pay these people all this money. And it's going to live on YouTube you're not guaranteed to get a cut of their ad revenue. You're not guaranteed to get 
anything. They said they'd pay you X amount of dollars for the day and that's all you're going to get. Whether it's a mm. four hour workday or a 12 hour workday, you're going to get that money. Mm. Um, but again, you're not guaranteed overtime because there's no union that is negotiating these contracts for you. Um, so SAG has all these standards, um, standard salaries. You have to get paid X amount of dollars for this amount of time. And then this for overtime, this for residuals, all this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of making sure that you are fairly compensated as an actor. And um, and then you get to vote for the SAG Awards because it's actors mm -hmm. celebrating actors during that. Yeah, time. that's dope. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish they had that for musicians because Jesus, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the basics. Just give yeah. them the basics. Because like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brutal, brutal game for the musicians out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we talk about that a lot because um, music is my thing. So I interview mm -hmm. a lot of artists from all over Switzerland, Africa, um, all over the world. Um, and the, we talk about just how important it is just like to make sure you make correct business deals and yeah. uh, look at the, the, the um, scan man even said, go independent, um, stay independent. But also not everybody could be independent, you know. Okay. Um, and so I think there's definitely needs to be some type of, uh, like union for, for musicians. Um, it's a, it's billions of dollars. There just has to be a way, um, that industry is huge. Just like film. I feel like those are the two biggest entertainment in industries, um, film and music, because everyone's always watching the show. Everyone's always listening to music. And the shows have music in them. Yep. And the show has music in them. So yeah. they're getting money off of that too. So it's like they, those two things should not be uh, the people should be taken care of that are uh, dealing with that. Um, so and I get well, don't so quote ahead. me on this, but I think yeah. that there is a musicians union. Um, mm -hmm. I think there is, but similar to SAG, it's very hard to qualify to join. Mm -hmm. So the qualifications are just very high up there. So for SAG, you have to basically have like you have to book two speaking roles to join or do like oh no no so it's it's one speaking role in a sag project so it's like if you have one line on an episode of law and order you are now eligible to join you have to pay three thousand dollars to join because that's the initiation fee right. um and then you pay your semi-annual dues you know every six months uh but for for musicians i don't know the details exactly for the musicians union but I think it's like a recording artist union. Like there are unions again, they're just very difficult to get into. So you can just be like, yeah. hi, I want to be a musician. Where do I sign? Right. You know, right, it's, right. it's, it's, <laughs> it's insane to how difficult Which makes it sense. Is. You don't want, you don't want somebody that's trash, you know, that doesn't right, really exactly. have good music. <laughs> yeah. But also it's like, does this trash musician have $3,000 to join our union? Oh. Um, but it's just to sort of like weed out the amateurs is why they have those parameters set. Um, but it's still a crazy amount of money. And also yeah. unionizing, I just know from work, workforce in general, if creating a union is super hard because oh, it's yeah. you have to have legal representatives, you have to have negotiators, you have to have a whole support staff and all of that. Like it's like, you know, millions of dollars just to and again, to join a union, you have to pay a lot up front. So it's not just like starting it, but also the workers who want to join. Like, are they oh, willing yeah. to pay a whole paycheck just to join a union? You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I'm in the union at the hospital and they mm -hmm. take a lot. Um, they do it like every, every two months or something like that. 
I'll be like, oh, this check is going to be a little skimpish. Right. All right. Got to <laughs> save this week because next week they take <laughs> they take their cut. They're like, oh, but you get dental, right? So hush. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you happy to have insurance. <laughs> right. But mind you, with the with, the, with SAG, it, you have to make X amount of dollars per year to qualify for insurance. Right. So if you're a SAG actor who hasn't booked all year, you're not getting that insurance. You might. Oh, no. It. Really? Yeah. Damn. So like the actors who are, um, you know, series regulars, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars on their show, if not way more than that, if they're the lead. Um, they'll qualify for sure. But if you're someone like me who is very happy to book two one day roles right. in a year, I don't qualify for that insurance. And also, mm-hmm. I realize, you know, when we're younger, we're like, why is this really good actor in this terrible movie? You know, all those <laughs> right. crappy movies. It's so they can keep their damn insurance because they have kids. Yeah. And they have, you know, they, they need their money. Sure, they can live off the residuals, but residuals don't go toward insurance. Right, right. It's That's like what I think about thing. with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> right. What the hell you're like, why does he... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, he's he's being an adult. He needs insurance for his kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> <And> his wife. <laughs> Is he right. married? Does he have kids? I don't even know. Um, I don't even know. But I can see why he's into all these, like, random-ass movies. Like, <laughs> and But he's still relevant. We're still talking about him, yep. you know? And some of them are good, honestly. Yeah. Some of them aren't terrible. He's just... Yeah. He's Nicolas Cage. You know what you're getting when you watch a new Nicolas Cage movie. Right, right, right. Nicolas Cage. You know, you're just... <laughs> you're gonna get that just very theatrical, over-the-top performance. But it's like... <laughs> he's not yeah. taking himself too seriously, which I love. I love that about him. Right, right, right. A national treasure will always be a damn national treasure of a movie. Oh, the movie's God, dope. Yeah. I, love I love that movie. movie. That movie and Face Off. I love Face <laughs> Off. God, I'll be quoting them sometimes. <laughs> Gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> you got a good Nicolas Cage impression, though. Thanks, Mark. man. <laughs> I almost thought he was in the room for a second. <laughs> <laughs> he hijacked our, our call. I almost said Zoom. <laughs> I'm so used to using Zoom all the time. Oh man. Um what so why um well man, Jesus Christ. My head is everywhere today. It's okay. <laughs> I'm usually so good at podcasting. But uh, uh sometimes the questions just miss my head. That's why I got my paper, but I didn't even write it down. <laughs> but it's all right. The question wasn't meant to be. Um, so what's 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 going on with the New York um is everything with New York with COVID and filming during COVID? Um is uh things slowly getting back to normal or there's like oh, still a lot more issues? Because I know that like the film industry, they were able to still keep going, but like what are the obstacles that they're dealing with now in this uh COVID world that we're in now? So now um the cost of productions have just gone up because mm-hmm. they're compensating you to get tested. Um, because that's like so for example, so we um the TV and film industry resumed in August of last year, August, 2020. So we were kind of very, very shut down for like four or five months. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we shut down mid March and really didn't pick like, yeah, there'd be like an occasional commercial shoot. Um, no movies were filming here. Broadway only just reopened mm-hmm. earlier or last month in October or like late September. But um yeah, it's been it's been crazy. It's it's just a lot more expensive. And as an actor, you get compensated a little more, but you're also you just have to be very careful because if you if whether you're vaccinated or not, if you test positive for COVID, they can't hire you. 
So you have to be very careful. So I remember when I booked for life, I found out right before the holidays, the last year, um, it was right before the new year. And I booked it and I was super excited because it was the first thing I'd worked on since blind spot. I hadn't worked, I hadn't booked an acting role in like a year and a half because I got my first manager during the pandemic. And that's when I started getting auditions regularly. Right. Um, very fortunate for that because not every a lot of people lost their reps because some managers or agents they were forced to like close their offices because they couldn't afford to there was no money coming in but they still had to yeah. pay for the offices and pay their staff for months right. you know right right um so with for life i'd found out right before the holidays and then there was like three weeks two weeks about because we were set to film right after the holidays so like january 4th we were like scheduled to be back on set and it was one day of work like my scene was shot in one day but i had to get three COVID tests before that so on the third i had to go all the way from where i am in brooklyn up to queens to the studio to get tested and go again on the on the fourth and then on the fifth it was like a rapid test before i was filming so what's nerve-wracking about that is that like for the rapid test, I know people who have tested positive for COVID in the middle of a shoot. So then like they booked, but then they had to like suspend the rest of their contract and had to recast for the role or rewrite the scenes to not include them anymore. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Uh, and I was just very fearful. Have the said anything about that? Like has the union gave any criticism to the filmmakers about that? Well, no, that's the rule set by the union. Oh, okay. it's, it's now that you have to be vaccinated in order to work. Right. If you're going to be in zone A, which is like where you, it's not possible for you to wear, uh, it's where you're basically going to be on set with the cameras, with the cast. So if you're like the director, the the focus puller, the cinematographer, um, a producer, all of those sort of very hands on roles that are on set, obviously, as well as the actors, if you are not vaccinated, you have to be vaccinated. There is no if you're not. It's you have to be. Um, there's no way around that. And that's all set by SAG with the with the government, with the CDC, all of them sort of collaborating on these safety measures. Um, and if you test positive and you're an actor, you're not going to be wearing a mask on camera. So you're you're very likely to spread it to the other people who are on camera with you without a mask as well. Yeah. Um, so it's just necessary. Unfortunately, you still get compensated for the days you worked because the contract says so. But it's like they're just suspending the rest of it. Um, but yeah, for a one day role for three lines is that what i had three or four lines um i had to get tested three times i took like a lift to and from my house to the studio because i was like i'm not getting on public transit and risking right you know taking three subways to get from brooklyn to queens and then risk getting covid like i'm not gonna do that right right um but they compensate you um because you're taking you're basically taking a day off from whatever other job you work to go get tested um, and that's what they expect. And it's also like you can't work on any other shows during that time because we're compensating you to be free. Um, so, yeah, it was just in 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 the show and that season of, of for life, they wrote COVID into the script. So my character had a mask on. I was a reporter outside of someone's house and I had a mask on and all of us, all the other ones, everyone else did as well. Um, and that's the reality of a lot of shows. A lot of shows are like. Um, are writing COVID into the story just to make it safer on set to lessen the risk. Cause like, well, your character has a mask on. So you don't, there's less of a risk of you spreading or getting, or getting sick or getting someone sick. 
Mm. Um, I know Law and Order is doing that sometimes. A lot of the medical shows are doing it because you're such close quarters with other people. Right, right, right. Um, and and yeah, but just I just remember like for so long I was like anxious to like act again. I'm like, when is this gonna? When are we gonna get back to mm. to normal or whatever normal looks like? Um, and yeah, and going forward, I mean, all of these shows have been filming for a year now. Um, they've been back for a year and Broadway just opened up, thank God. Um, so a lot of the stage performers can get back to work. And yeah, it's just been, I know we've all been very eager and very anxious to get back to work and I'm happy that we all can again. Mm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's been yeah. a crazy time. Yeah. What a time we're living, man. It's uh, yeah. it's real out here. <laughs> you know, I, I, I work in a hospital, so like I see whenever there's a cardboard um, <clears throat> mill, because we have to do disposable for COVID patients. Mm-hmm. Usually we only do disposable for, uh, for patients that are like in psych wards and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, now we're doing disposable almost all the time. Um, the good thing is it's not as much disposable now, but I remember when it really got bad. Yeah. Oh my God. It was just, so many trays, so many trays, yeah, dude. so many people. We had to wear gowns, all types of things. It was so scary. And I'm, you know, I'm on the city bucks all the time. Yeah. Now I live across the street from the jobs, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that. Um, yeah. Me and my girlfriend, we saved up and we got a better place to live. And thank, thank God for the, the education with the money. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, like it was yeah, crazier. Uh, but no, it's just it's a it's a scary time and. Well, how do you feel about that? This is a random one um, because uh, I'm, I'm part of a working class party and we did an article on Liberation News about um, the Alec Baldwin situation mm-hmm. um, and talking about the work conditions um, that actors go through and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on um, Alec Baldwin's uh, situation? So um, I have handled firearms on set before mm-hmm. and I know how safe it's supposed to be. Um, when I worked on blind spot for my third episode, there was a huge shootout scene and they don't hand you the gun until they're ready to start rolling. And as soon as they yell cut, the prop master comes and takes the gun away. And every time they hand it to you, they open up the chamber, they shine a flashlight down the chamber to show you that it's both plugged. So there's no light coming through. So it's plugged and there's also not a a, um, a shell or a, a casing or anything else in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a guaranteed if you pull this trigger and if there is accidentally a live round, there's still it's still plugged. So it's going to make the pop. It's going to do everything it's supposed to do, but nothing's going to come out of the gun. Um, and again, as soon as it's done, they take it away and they go reset it. They clean it out. They just make sure everything's good um, for the next take. And, you know, is it New Mexico that they were filming in? I think it was New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. New Mexico, as well as Atlanta, they're both right-to-work states, which means that you don't have to be in the union, in any union of any kind, to be employed in that job. Right. A lot of movies and whatnot will go to those states and film movies and TV shows um, because it's cheaper, because you're not, it's a little bit exploitative, if you ask me. Uh, it's yeah. cheaper because you don't have to hire a union crew. So to my understanding of that situation, there uh, the union crew was 
fired or let go or whatever yeah. for that part of the shoot that they were going to be on location in like the middle of the desert and they hired a non-union crew and it was apparently like whoever was in charge was not very experienced or was not the person who was doing that job for the rest of the shoot prior to that um so one they had like a hot gun which is the terminology you know it's just like it's a real gun um when they say when they say on set when they say cold gun it means that it's safe it's plugged and there's it's not like a fully working projectile gun um and i just think that i think states have to get it together and I mean, the, the whole thing is like, you know, they're trying to make it fair for the workers in the state and be like, well, you don't have to join the union because that's expensive. They can't afford to join the union. They can't right. afford to pay those cuts. But at the same time, because of that, these multi-million dollar productions are trying to trim as much off the budget as they can by going to those states. They're like, oh, if we film in uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, instead of Los Angeles, we'll save $5 million off of our budget which they can put towards something else. And to me, it's just exploitative. And I think that they need to really restrict that and that certain roles, whether it's a gun master, stunt coordinator, prop master, whoever, um, that role needs to be union and it needs to be someone experienced in the field. You can't just be like, hey, have you worked as a gun master? Like, oh, well, I worked at a, at a rifle range before. Okay, great. That's enough. We can have you on set. It's not at all the same job. Right, Mind right. You, I'm speculating. I don't know if that's exactly what the conversation was, obviously. But um, mm -hmm. I just think that they really need to put restrictions in place to stop these to, to stop putting people in dangerous situations like this, because it really is ridiculous that that happened. It's happened before yeah. on other sets to tell people right. that Brandon Lee died. Right. Um, right. And I watched a documentary about that recently. Um, I think it was on AMC called like Cursed Films. It's a really cool docuseries. Um, but one of the episodes was about that whole situation in a, like a professional um gun handler or master or whatever um basically walked you through of how that mistake happened so it was basically like the gun wasn't properly plugged or there was a projectile in the chamber already they didn't check to make sure it was empty so then when um you know if anything from like a pebble to dirt or whatever if something is in there it's going to get shot out just by sheer force. So if it's close enough, if you shoot a blank against someone's head, they can still get hurt because mm -hmm. there could be something else, gunpowder, anything. It'll just be the force that, that can hurt them. Um, and it's just, you have to have the right people in place for these jobs that are super important and super necessary. And I think it's really ridiculous how much um, scrutiny is being put onto the actor who's yeah. the last person who handles right. his, the gun. There, That was my issue too. People. Right, and right. people are like, well, he was a producer, but he's also acting. You know how many shows and movies have like actors that are also producers? Right. All that means is that they get more points off of the profits. That's right. all that means. It means that yeah. they, to star in it, they don't want just the actor salary. They want money off the profit, so they got a producer credit. Or right. they helped write the script, so they got a producer credit. They want more creative freedom. Any number of things, but it's like... It's like you need it. Yeah, like you really think that Alec Baldwin was on the phone saying fire this crew, get a new crew that's cheaper. He was learning his freaking lines. Like he wasn't worrying about <laughs> all this budgetary stuff. There's people above and there are executive producers and other people in charge, the head of the studio, head of the network, head of whatever. Like 
they're the ones that are in charge of all that stuff. And the scrutiny going toward him, I'm like, this amount of scrutiny was not put toward the actor who accidentally shot and killed Brandon Lee either. No. You know, like, why is this all of us? Because, you know, and of course the conservatives are going crazy. <laughs> like, you know. Don't they always? <laughs> right. You, you sneeze and they're like, ah, COVID. <laughs> See what good the vaccine is? Ha ha ha. So annoying. Well, uh, Juan, it was uh, it was so great having you on, um, it, it, and also it was good seeing you, brother. Good seeing you. Um, you too, man. This was this is was a really great episode. Love to get you back on down the line, probably next season or something like that. And absolutely, um, everybody. Um, I'm going to put his link R in the description below and everything. Um, so definitely check out all his shit because this dude <laughs> doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. And I'm trying to get into that mode. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. You need to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's 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 beautiful, man. Like I I see you on Instagram all the time, and um, I'm so so proud of you. I'm happy that that you're able to live your dream. A lot of people that did the same schooling and stuff that we did, they they they're not there, and it's hard. It's hard, you know. And you're doing it, so it's showing that there is a way. And to keep going and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I just want to say really quick, just regarding all of that. So, you know, I'm not someone that was raised well off or anything. I don't have like a massive savings account that I can just pursue acting and not work. Um, For the last two years, I worked at a gym uh, and Mm. I was a manager at a gym for a year. So it's like actors, when you're moving to like Los Angeles, New York or anything, you need to get a job. Please don't stress yourself out and hold your art hostage to pay right. for your bills like it's not going to happen that way you're only going to burn yourself out and you're going to quit acting altogether within a year because it's like it's not shaping out to how i want it to be right right um but yeah i just think that's that's really important to get out there like actors you have to be financially savvy you have to save your money you have to work but just don't burn yourself out because i burnt myself out so bad i had to like tell my managers like hey i need to take a break um please don't i, I don't submit me for auditions for a few weeks because i needed to just recover mentally because I was burning myself out. I was working full time and doing all these podcasts and auditioning. And mm. lucky my partner lives with me because otherwise I would not have seen him for all right. those weeks. You know, like I was just really burning myself out. But yeah, just wanted to share that because I think it's really important. That is a big that's a big jewel right there. That's a big <laughs> jewel right there. You know, um, it's so important to, to even with music as well, too. It's because it's yeah. just, you know, it's so hard to mm-hmm. just get into the stride. But, you know, it's going to work. Right. I don't want to follow my dream anymore. I, I just want to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, you know, no. I had to do that. You know, I took time off. I took years off from music. And now I'm back in it. Like two years, two years later, back in it. Like, can't let it go. Yeah. Can't let it go. But it's always about what do you want? Right. What do you want? <laughs> what do you need? And what do you need to get there? You know? Right, right. Well, Juan, thank you so much for coming on. And Everybody. blessings to you. And have a very good day. And everybody out there in the podcast world, have a very awesome day. Good night, everybody. I mean, well, not good night. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> it's daytime. You can see my sunroof is like it's like. <laughs> see you later, Juan. Later, buddy. Effectively transforming community. Peace in our human family. Volume and unity. Divine light shining individually. Collectively transforming community, peace in our human family.
above, so below. Feel the pain in my soul, the red pill dissolved. Organized, no matter the cost. Politicians starts wars, they don't fight, they sit in the poor. And nothing lasts forever as long as we stay together. Give hell to the masses, watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture. It's one love, one growth, one light. Life